Well, amen. How many are glad to be here? Say amen. amen. It's good to be in God's house tonight, and I'm honored to be able to preach um, tonight. I, I evenly offered uh, for Brother Scott Suttle to preach. Uh, I would be more than glad for him to take my place, uh, but uh, I got to obey my pastor. Amen. Uh, Brother Will, uh, it's an honor tonight. Uh, to preach <clears throat> at your ordination. I consider it a great honor, uh, especially uh, since God called you in our church in Brazil. And uh, so for me, it is a special honor. And uh, I, I just want to share something with Brother Will. And all the college uh, guys know that the other day, Brother Scott Dean uh, got up. He said, I'm going to preach a different message today. He said, I'm going to preach. You probably never heard a message like this. I'm not going to preach that message, but I do want to mention his message. And uh, it's just good stuff that he gave to the preacher boys and and uh, he read 1 Timothy 4.12 let no man despise thy youth but be thou an example an example and he gave two points and he said this he said I'm going to give a professional note and he gave several points under that and this was what he said be on time Pay your bills. Don't ever break a confidence. Don't be stubborn and always think you're right. Send thank you notes to people that have been nice to you. And never be alone with someone of opposite sex other than your wife. That was professional counsel. I thought that was pretty good. And then he gave a personal note. He said, wear clean clothes. Don't smell bad. Guard your breath. Right? I've had some people not here, okay? That seems like the worse their breath was, the closer they wanted to talk to me. <laughs> uh, not here, okay, in Brazil, this happened. Shine your shoes, amen? Keep your hair cut. You won't have that problem, okay? Um, have a firm handshake. Don't shake your hand like you're holding a dead fish and then lastly he said when you talk to a man look him in his eyes I thought that was pretty good for preachers uh, and uh, I just wanted to share with you with that share with you uh, that thought but I would like for you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 14 Luke chapter 14 by the way preacher brother Dean is not coming he's sick Okay. Luke chapter 14, if you would please stand. We're going to read some verses here, verses 25 through 33. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Beginning in verse 25, and there went a great multitude with him and he said and he turned and said unto them now just remember that okay he said unto the multitude if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters yea and his own life also he cannot be my disciple. 
And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending uh, to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and uh, was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth condition of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be, remember he's talking about the disciples, of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Who can be his disciple. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given to us to preach. And Lord, I'm so grateful for Tabernacle Baptist Church and be able to serve here. And Lord, we're, we're thankful for all the visitors that are here and Lord, we're so grateful for this place and the songs that were sung. And Lord, we thank you for Brother Will and his willingness to give his life to the Lord and serve him, serve you, Lord, for the rest of his life. Lord, that you'd please use him in a great way. Lord, help us this day to understand the word of God. In your precious and holy name we ask you, and help us to apply it to our lives. In your name we ask you, amen. You may be seated. I want to speak tonight on this subject of being a follower, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a day you hear so much about leadership but you don't hear much about followership. Uh, there are some things I have learned about leadership. A leader, a real leader, never wants to lead. You hear about people fighting for leadership, but a real leader does not want to lead. But he becomes a leader as he follows the Lord Jesus Christ and willing to be a servant. Amen. My dad has always taught me, son, if you ever want to be a leader, first you've got to learn to be a servant. A servant. Leadership is not being demanding, but a leadership is being a servant to people. The more that you serve people, the more respect that you will get from the people. A disciple is someone who learns from his teacher uh, or master, and then he becomes like his master. Salvation is free, amen? But disciple cost. Are you willing to pay the price of being a real disciple? It pays to serve Jesus Christ, amen? Uh, but it also costs to serve him. Now, when you look at verses 25 and 26, 
The crowds were following Jesus. He was at the height of his ministry and popularity. And rather than building upon the crowd, he thins the crowd out. You say, I thought this text was for preachers, missionaries, and evangelists. Well, that's why I asked you to notice in verse 25, and there were and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto who? Them. He wasn't talking only to uh, missionaries or pastors or evangelists. He's talking to the whole multitude. He said, any of you want to be my disciple? This is what has to happen. Verse 26, with the Lord Jesus, there is no fine print in the contract. There is no bait and switch. The Lord Jesus is not looking for easy followers. Uh, We should never water down the gospel to gain more followers. When we follow Jesus, he is not inviting us to share into his popularity, but in his unpopularity. There is no cheap discipleship. It costs to serve Jesus, but it is worth it to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So, our Lord doesn't promise much. You see, Satan always offers you so much, but you end up in misery. But oh, may I say this, uh, when you serve the Lord, he may not offer much, but oh, what it has to in reserve for us, what it has in reserve of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't like the word servant. Now I suspect that what the Lord is discussing here in this text is the number one reason we are not having missionary candidates, pastors, evangelists like we used to uh, because we have entered the syndrome of hold your own and don't go forward in world evangelism. Let me tell you something, folks. Something is wrong with our churches when we don't want to be his disciple. Now, don't think I'm against pets. Please. Did you know that every three months people spend more on dog food and pet food than we do in foreign missions? Did you know that? Did you know, uh, I heard uh, that in Dallas, Texas, you can go into the airport and there is a motel for dogs and can you imagine uh, taking a hound dog to an airport and putting him into a motel? Can you imagine that? That's where we're at. That's where we're at. Did you know there's a tourist agency for dogs? Something's not right. A lady wanted, she found out that her dog had a brother. And uh, she wanted to send her dogs uh, to Hawaii. And so she rented a limousine and sent the driver and her dog to go pick up that dog's brother. And when they got to the house, they put the other dog inside the limousine. And you know what? 
they forgot they were brothers. They started a fight and that lady not only had to spend, I believe it was $3,000 for a trip to Hawaii, but she had to spend $3,000 trying to fix a limousine that she put her dogs in. Listen, brethren, God looked at them and said, who wants to be my disciple? Now, our Lord is speaking about discipleship. And in this text, he asks three questions. These questions are not direct questions, but they are deductive questions. And here we see in verse 26 and 27, it says, if any man come to me and hate not his brother, a father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. The first thing Jesus asked the crowd is this, who is first in your life. He looks around and he begins to ask this deductive question and the way he does that is by asking who comes before your family. Jesus looks out to the great multitude and says, if you really want to be my disciple, you must put me ahead of your family. You say, Brother Terrell, do you mean the Bible says we should hate our family? Doesn't the Bible say we are supposed to love our wives? Exactly. Our children, our family, aren't we supposed to love our grandchildren? Uh, Sure we are. Uh, The Bible commands us to love one another. But there are two good ideas here. And when I read about two ideas, I accept both of them. First, is that our Lord was speaking comparatively. You see, in a contrasting way, you see tonight, I love my wife. I would die for her. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. And boy, do I love my grandchildren. But you know what? When I compare it uh, to the love uh, that I should have uh, towards the Lord Jesus Christ, it should be way up there compared to the love that I have towards my family that it looks like hate. That's what he's saying. He's saying, are you willing to put me first in your life? Are you willing to say, I love you more than any of my family? Well, second idea. The Jewish mind understood very well. Someone that was first was loved. Someone that was second was hated. Ain't that what the Bible says? Do you remember in Genesis 29, the Bible says that Jacob loved Rachel and hated Leah? It's not that he despised Leah. He loved Leah, but Rachel was the apple of his eye. And that's what he's saying here. Uh, If you want to be my disciple, I have to come first, way above, way above your family. And then I can consider you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I never forget the year I came back at the age of 17. 
My first year of college, my parents stayed here on furlough. And it was great to have my parents here on my first year of college. But then when I started my second year, my dad took me to the dorms and he hugged my neck and he said, son, I love you with all my heart. I wish I could stay. But God's first. I have to go back to the mission field. I never forget that, Brother Asherman. Not many parents are willing to do that. Not many children are willing to say, you know, Dad... I've got to go to the mission field. I admire a young couple like this that have gone into the jungles there and started churches. Uh, you know, they had to put Jesus in first place in their life. And Jesus said, you want to be my disciple? Who's first in your life? Second question. It is a deductive question. He begins to tell a short story. And my, how our Lord could tell short stories. And he begins in verse 28, for which of you intended to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. The first question that our Lord Jesus Christ asked the multitude, who's first in your life? And then secondly, he asked, who are the finishers? Who are the finishers? Why did our Lord tell this story? It was in an age when uh, there were unfinished towers. Uh, he looks at the multitude and he asks, who is first? And then he looks at the multitude and says, who will finish? Yep. He is showing here that God puts high priority in the ones that start, but he puts a higher priority on who finishes. Who finishes? He's not talking about them building towers. He's just telling a story. He said, you know why we need finishers? Because we got enough of preachers, missionaries that are coming off the field more than going and people mock them because they do not finish what God has put them to do. How many college kids we got here tonight? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to quote Psalms 23. Raise your hand. Yeah. God puts great emphasis, Kyle, on starters. But he puts greater emphasis on finishers. Are you listening to me? Oh, we've got too many people, preacher. Oh, that, oh, they start good. Uh, they're happy and they want to do this and they want to do that. But all of a sudden, they quit. Brother Hobart, how many people have you had in the choir? 
that started but quit. You see, that's what Jesus is saying here. Yes, it's great for those that start, but here he's saying, uh, who are the finishers? Who's the one that's gonna stay all the way till the end? Who's the one that's gonna stay and fight for Jesus Christ and gonna finish the work that God has called you to do? God says, who's first? Who's the finishers? Dr. Shumpert and some pastors went to visit some leaders in China of the underground church. They were spiritual leaders. They lived in a very humble house. They knocked on the door and a little lady, elderly lady, opened the door. They told her who they were and a big smile came upon her face. She said, please come in. Then they found out that she was blind. She began to tell her story that she spent 15 years in the prison for Jesus Christ. And many times the guards would come and say, we'll let you go if you just reject Jesus Christ. And she never did. They asked her if her husband was there and she said yes and she called out her husband and out from the back of the house he came shuffling in, came into the room. He was 86 years of age. He had been in prison 24 years and they came often and said, we'll let you go if you only reject Christ. And he said, never. And they beat him. For 24 years, he stayed in one cell. Once a week, they would take him out for one hour to see the light of day. And they asked him, how did you do it? And he gave a big smile and said, oh, I had the word of God inside my mind and in my heart. And I would meditate and think about God's word. And that's what sustained me. He said, sometimes in my dark cell, I would stand in my cell up straight and right beside him, his dear wife stood beside him, preacher, and they began to sing in clear English, onward Christian soldiers marching unto war. Oh, let me tell you something. All of a sudden, all those preachers, they stood in attention to those two great soldiers. You know what they were? They put Jesus Christ first. Oh, they were, he was first in their life and they finished what God called them to do. May I ask you tonight, who's first? Who are the finishers? Then lastly, and I'm almost done, okay? Just hang on. 
Here's a king. Verses 31 through 33. If it were today, Brother Roth, he'd have plush carpet. Thrones. Imagine people coming to him and saying, Sir, would you like to have coffee? Another one comes, Sir, would you like to have tea? And all of a sudden, he sends an ambassador, and that didn't work. And all of a sudden, he hears that 20 soldiers are coming his way. Well, the king decides. If you read verse 31, 33 through 33, he looks at his ambassadors and he says, you see this palace? And they all, yes, sir, we see this palace. He said, you know how we're going to do? We're going to get our spears. We're going to get our swords. And we're not going to wait till the enemy gets to us. We're going out there and we're going to forsake uh, some things here. And we're going out there to meet the enemy. How many soldiers we got tonight here? Raise your hand. Brother Ashman, what's better? Wait for the enemy to come, find you, or go and meet the enemy. Go meet the enemy. So he says, let's get all our things together because me as a king, you as ambassadors, uh, you are going to leave all the comfort. You are going to get your spears and swords and we are all going to meet the enemy. So Jesus looks after he tells the stories and he says, who are the forsakers. First he said, who's first? Then he says, who are the finishers? But then he says, who of you are forsakers? Preacher, how you know it speaks to us? Hey, I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 33. He said, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. I'll be honest with you, pastor, it's comfortable to sit right here. I never dreamed, Brother Porter, in my lifetime. I mean, in my lifetime, that one day I would even be considered the assistant pastor of Tabernacle. I never, never thought about it. Never, never came across my mind. One day, pastor came in, and I love being a missionary. Man, I love going to other countries and, and preaching on faith promise. I, I love going to Brazil and preaching in all the churches that we've helped start and the churches that my dad started. I love to be a missionary. One day, pastor came in, said... Do you know anybody that could be an assistant pastor? What did I tell you the first time? I said, no. I have no name in my mind. Didn't I tell you that, preacher? Yeah. No name. I said, but if a name would come in my mind, 
I'll be glad to tell you. Well, guess what? My name did not come through my mind. It did not. But about two late days later, uh, pastor came in and he looked at me and he usually stands over my desk and he said, would you consider being my assistant pastor? And I was like, I have to pray about it. Didn't I say that? So I said I'd pray. I went home that afternoon, Brother Roth, and I went in and I said, honey, you won't believe this. I said, Pastor came in my office and asked me if I would consider being his assistant pastor. And in my heart, I thought, that's not possible. But I told her, I said, let's pray. This is nothing against Pastor. Every day he'd come by and he'd say, have you decided yet? No, sir, we're praying. Next day come, have you decided yet? No, sir, we're praying. And then God gave me an answer. Then I went to my wife and I said, honey, what's your answer? She said, honey, the day you came in the house and told me, God gave me peace about it. You see, I love being a missionary. But God sometimes asks us to forsake some things. God asks us to give up some things. Sometimes we have to get out of the comfort zone and, and say, God, you're first in my life and I'll do exactly what you want me to do. God, I promise I'll finish the job. Uh, but sometimes he'll say, I want you to forsake this. And sometimes we say, oh, now that's too much. I'm here to say, Brother Eshman, I love my position. I love what God's called me to do, working beside this man of God. I enjoy every day I come to work here. But if God ever says, Terrell Rose, you are first. Am I first in your life? Yes, sir. Are you willing to finish the job that God, that I've called you to do? Yes, sir. And he says, I want you to go to Papua New Guinea. You know what I'm gonna say? Yes, sir, I'm going. You know why? God wants us to make him first in your life. Then he wants you to finish. Not only that, you got to forsake some things. I never forget my dad. Saying when they went to the mission field for the first time, I imagine there's probably nobody here that went to the airport to see my dad off to Brazil in 1961. Brother Porter probably remembers it, but he said, I never forget having to say goodbye to my church. He said, I never forget saying goodbye to my pastor. But God said, you want to be my disciple? You're going to have to forsake some things. Forsake. Four years after they were there in Brazil, they came back and as they were landing in America, the sun was coming up and on the top of the airport, my dad saw the American flag 
And he woke all the kids up and said, look, children, look at the American flag. And I never forget my dad saying, it was hard to leave my country. But God said, who's first? Are you willing to forsake? Well, seven years ago, my dad called me and he said, son, he said, I need, need you and Adriana to come home to take care of me and mom. You know, I believe the Bible to be true. And when the Bible says, honor your parents, yes. that's what we should do. We didn't even pray about it. I just said, yes, sir, I'm coming home. We love Brazil. I still love Brazil. Sometimes I tell pastor, I miss Brazil. But we had to forsake that to come home and take care of my parents. Jesus said, who's first? Who are the finishers? And who are the forsakers? I'm just going to say this and Brother Ken and Miss Nellie can go to the instruments. My dad was a great man of God. And you're going to hear me mention my dad many times. So get used to it. My dad was a young man, man who lived in Denver, Colorado. He was a rebel. He belonged to a gang in Denver, Colorado was incarcerated seven times. One day he moved to Greenville, South Carolina. His cousin was in the hospital and he went to visit her and when he went there, there was one of his cousin's friend there And my dad looked at that young lady and said, thought, that's a mighty nice looking young lady. And he asked her, he said, would you go on a date with me? And that young lady said, absolutely not. My dad don't let me date unsaved people. Should I repeat that again? My dad don't let me date unsaved people. He said, is there anything I can do to meet you? She said, yes, you can. I go to Tabernacle Baptist Church. We're having a tent meeting. And if you go on Friday night, I'll ask my daddy if he'll let me sit with you. So he was interested in her. So he went to the tent meeting, Tabernacle Baptist Church. He sat way in the back. And the preacher that night, he would say, you need to be saved. And my dad said it seemed like he was pointing his finger straight at me. He said I'd scoot over a little bit to the side and he'd say, you need to be saved. He said it seemed like he was pointing at me again. 
He said, I didn't get saved that night. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. He went home that night, and as he opened the door of the trailer where he was living, the conviction of the Holy Spirit came. He fell on his knees and accepted Christ as his personal Savior. God called him to preach. He wanted to go to Africa, Brother Johnny, but God closed the door. Then he was going to China, and God closed the door. One day there was a missionary lady here at Tabernacle Baptist Church in this pulpit. She gave her testimony of how God was using her in Brazil. And my dad that night came to the front and shook Dr. Seitler's hand. If you remember Dr. Seitler, he used to stand right here and shake everybody's hand. And when my daddy came by, he said, Jimmy, why don't you consider Brazil? And my dad said, yes, sir. I'll go to Brazil. And for over 50 years, my dad served the country of Brazil. I'm fruit of his ministry. My wife is fruit of his ministry. Will Knox is fruit of his ministry. And I came home and I began to take care of my dad. And I'd go hook him up every night to his dialysis. Sometimes I'd go in the room and he'd say, he'd be crying. And he'd say, son, if I could just step my feet one more time in Tabernacle Baptist Church. I went in one time and I, he, he's crying and he said, son, if God would just give me one more chance to preach. You say, Brother Terrell, what are you trying to say? I'm saying, there's a man that Jesus knew who was first in his life. There's a man that said Jimmy Rose is a finisher. And there's a man that forsook all he had to serve the Lord in Brazil. Young people, young couples, I'll tell you one thing. There is nothing in this world I'd rather do than preach the gospel and serve the Lord. I want him to be first in my life. I want to be a finisher and I'm willing to forsake anything that I need to be his disciple. Are you willing? Are you willing? That don't mean God's calling you to the mission field, no. God just wants you to be willing. That's all. Willing. All these missionaries suffer so much. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because I'm going to ask a missionary. Are you happy where you at, Brother Williams? Brother Caleb Wilson? Are you happy? Let me ask your wife. Ma'am, are you happy where you at? Huh? 
Are, are you really suffering bad over there? And, and you have bad dreams and, and, and wish you could. Uh, no, you're happy. Brother Pope, you happy? That sometimes you got to leave your wife and stay a couple weeks out because you put God first? Happy. Are you willing? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to preach. Lord, may we ask tonight who's first? In our life. May we ask tonight, are we going to finish the work that God's called us to do? And are we willing to forsake all the comforts to serve our Lord Jesus Christ? God, help us this day. In your precious and holy name we ask you, Pastor. Let's stand together. The altar's open if the Lord spoke to you. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you, ye dare not trust your 